Okay, tonight is the uh, ninth of Shvat, and it's in the last 24 hours before the anniversary, the, uh, anniversary of the previous Rebbe's passing, and the day when our Rebbe became Rebbe, and it's a very, very special time. And so I always love having a Fabringen before the special day, because there's expression in Yiddish, a Yavon in Sukkah. You know what Yavon in Sukkah means? A Greek man going into a Sukkah. So, so like, you, 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 you may be in a Sukkah, but you may, while you're in the Sukkah, you may be like the Greek man in the Sukkah who could be in a Sukkah. Nothing wrong with that, but it's not like connected, it's not connected to it, right? So some of these, these special holy days, they're special holy days, but we got to be ready for it. So sitting together 24 hours before and just thinking a little deeper about it, I find it very helpful. It doesn't always happen. You get this opportunity 24 hours before, but Baruch Hashem, it's Thursday night. We always have a febrang, and we always have a little time to think about where we're going. There's a line in chapter 90 of Tehillim. The days of our years are 70. The days of our years. What, what is the meaning of the days of our years? So one interpretation is, there are some, or this is from some older Hasidim, there are some days that are like years. Some days which have a lot of energy in them, and they and they last for years. And one of those days is the tenth of Shvat, which is come tomorrow night. Today, which is like a year. So, let's let's think a little bit about what this day is about in context of this week's um, this week's Torah portion, in the context of the time we're in right now. They did an interview in Israel with this woman named Adasa Lowenstein. She, um, unfortunately, her husband was in the first tank to enter Gaza after October 7th. And this man, her husband, was a, was a very um, very special man. He, he was involved in trying to translate the Talmud into um, the Steinsalz Talmud, into English. He was someone who always invited people to his home, to people who were not so in touch with Judaism, and bring them closer. He was... Um, and, and he was he was taken, and she she now has six children to take care of by herself, and she speaks with such faith. She says, "Hashem took my husband. Absolutely, this is the will of Hashem." But Hashem could have taken him so many so many other ways. He could have been taken in 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 many different ways, but Hashem took him as someone who was giving his life to protect his brothers and sisters, as someone who was. Who has died for the sake of Hashem in such a glorious, glorious um, uh, way, giving his life to protect his fellow Jews? And she said that um, uh, she is determined that, that although she lost her husband, she's she's going to continue the vow that she and her husband made before they got married. Before they got married, they decided they're going to have a home that is something that's going to contribute light and goodness. Hashem has chosen them to be ambassadors in this world together, and they're going to build something that's going to bring Hashem's light and warmth and spread Torah. That's what she's going to do. And so the interviewer just looks at her and says, wow, that's a pretty um, pretty impressive kind of thing. Like, In other words, what he didn't say, what he was thinking was probably like, you're, you're, you're like a different kind of person. You're living a different level. Like, after 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 experiencing such a loss, talking with such a magnanimous spirit doesn't seem like like humanly possible. That was his question. Um, meaning like maybe deeper, you're in denial. Maybe that was the uh, she said, I'm a very normal person. Normal in the sense that when my children leave tissues in their pockets and throw them in the washing machine, 
It makes me nervous. When someone opens up a second box of, of Cheerios, when one box is already opened, that makes me very angry. I, I, uh, I, I get annoyed, she said, by these kind of things. They're very, very normal. But she said, I don't see our lives here as just um, individuals. I see us, my husband and I and me, as a link in a chain of the Jewish people. That we're a link in the chain, and we have something to accomplish here that wasn't done before. And uh, this is something that's, that's uh, relevant. Um, it's, a, it's, a same, it's even better in person. <laughs> anyway, so um, that's what she said. And um, it's something that we see a lot these days with his soldiers in Israel. These boys, they're, they're 17, 18, I mean 18, 19, 20 years old. A month, two, two or three months ago, they're involved with all kinds of foolish things, not because I suspect them of wrongdoing, but just because every 18, 19 year old does crazy foolish things, right? That's what they do. And all of a sudden, they're the heroes of the Jewish people. All of a sudden, they're the ones literally giving their lives to protect the Jewish people. Two months ago, they were playing Nintendo, they were playing uh, PS5, 4, whatever they're up to, and, and they're drinking beer, and they're hanging out, they're going to the mall, and all of a sudden, these are the, these are the mighty warriors, the Jewish people, give their lives. Where does it come from? How did it change like that? Where, where does it come from? What, what I think is the key to understanding this is that they see themselves as the Maccabees. They, they're, they're a link in the chain of the Jewish people. They're, they, they, there was the soldiers of King David. There was the soldiers of King Solomon. There was the soldiers of, of Joshua. And now there was the soldiers of the Maccabees. And now they're the continuation. They're, they're, they're the ones who are doing it. So I'm thinking, of, in other words, Mrs. Lowenstein, she said a line. I'm not going to let the terrorists define my life. I'm not going to give in one inch of, my, of the dream and the promise that my husband and I made. I'm not going to give one inch to them. So the question is, how do we, thinking now, the ninth of Shvat, the day before the previous Sebbis yard site, Hilula, um, on the day of his passing, he, he distributed a discourse to be studied. And among other things, what stands out very openly and clearly is that he said the unique role of the seventh generation. Previous Rebbe was the sixth in the line in the dynasty of the Chabad Rebbe's and the Alter Rebbe. And he spoke in his last discourse, please give this out on, the day, on, the day, on, the, on, on this Shabbos, which is, it falls out the same way as it did originally. The Tenth Shvat, when the previous Rebbe passed away, was also on the Shabbos. Passed away on the Shabbos morning. And the, he said, study this discourse. What does it say in the discourse? It says, there were seven generations that did sins. Um, Adam and Eve did a sin. And then Cain and Abel did a sin. And there were seven generations of sub- progressive sins causing the divine presence to become more and more hidden. Shalom Aleichem. Don't worry, the hamburgers are on the way. I know you're very concerned. Don't worry. And then there were seven generations of tzaddikim, of righteous people, from starting from Avram Avinu, who brought the divine presence back to the world. Avram brought, brought the divine presence, says the Talmud, from the seventh heaven to the sixth, and Isaac from the sixth to the fifth, until Moshe Rabbeinu, the Moses, the seventh, who succeeded in bringing divine presence to be manifest physically in this world at Mount Sinai. And after Mount Sinai, when the tabernacle was built, they saw Hashem's presence in a very vivid, tangible way every single day. So in a similar way, the Rebbe in his first discourse said, our generation is the one that are going to merit to see the Shekhinah, Mashiach to come, and Hashem's presence again be manifest in the world. That's the role of our time. That's where we're up to. 
So, but we're also like those 18-year-olds who are whatever, all kinds of stuff going on. And to us to like think of what this, what this happened thing. So, let's look at the context of this week's Torah portion. Moshe Rabbeinu has an interesting conversation with, with the Pharaoh. There's a lot of back and forth, a lot of no's, not much of a conversation. You want to let the Jewish people go? No. All right, frogs. All right, hail. All right. But then there's this interesting exchange. Paro and Moshe finally come to terms of an agreement. What's the agreement? We're going to let the Jews go. No problem. But I want to keep the animals here. As a collateral, so that if you guys are going to planning on leaving, you say you want to leave for three days, I want all your possessions here. No, no animals can leave. How many animals do you need to bring? You said you want to bring animals, sacrifice to God. How many need to bring? And Moses says, we're taking them all because we don't know how many we're going to need. What an interesting like, thing to say to the Pharaoh. And he goes ballistic. Well, he changes the whole thing. Are you crazy? You're taking all of them because you don't know? If you don't, I mean, he could have said, if you don't know, then go ask. I mean, w- 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 think about it from the, from the Pharaoh's perspective. He's finally like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to let them go, but, but, but keep the animals here. Uh, we have to take the animals. How many? All of them. Because, not because we need them, because we don't know. Well, and, and also, the way Moshe says we don't know is very funny. The way Moses says we don't know is, he doesn't say we don't know how many. So we don't know kama. We don't know, we don't, anachal we don't know what we're going to serve Hashem with. What do you mean, you don't know, you don't know what? You know you're going to serve Hashem with sacrifices. Why is he use the expression, we don't know, um, we don't know what we're going to do at all. Like, we're not, we're not, we don't know what we're going to do at all, like, what is he saying? Why is he saying we don't know what we're going to do at all? So I want to share with you an answer of the Chudushe Harim, who was the first in the dynasty of the Gered Ebbes. He actually was a um, descendant of a prominent Talmudic scholar, the uh, Marami Rottenberg, one of the earliest uh, commentators in the Talmud. And they changed their name to Alter because of anti-Semitism, whatever. So, so um, before we share this, this insight, I want to Talk first a little bit, get, get some context. For sure, Baruch Nufel knows what I'm talking about. I don't know what the title is. They have this thing called, it's popular in Israel, uh, to get people together to do like an anthem choir thing. A bunch of people come together, and then at a few, after a short, short amount of time, they get everyone to like sing together. Oh, it's Shirat Hamonim. Shirat Hamonim. Yeah, I mean, the English word is flash mob. Flash mob? Yeah. So, so it's amazing, people participated in it, I haven't, that what they say is this, that these people come, and in a very short amount of time, they get them all to, like, to, to they find the do's and the rays, and the, everyone does their tone, and they join together in this, in this beautiful symphony, beautiful harmony, and it sounds amazing, and after a very, it doesn't take a long time to prepare, they're, they're, they're just like, they, they get it. And the people who participate, they say this, when you're singing with everybody, you forget yourself, and you feel you're part of something bigger. You forget yourself. Let's say we took a drop of water out of the Pacific Ocean. We asked a drop of water, hey, how do you feel today? There's two options. One option is, I'm just a lousy drop of water. I don't do much in this world. Other way the drop of water could answer is, I'm a part of the Pacific Ocean. Do you know what the Pacific Ocean is doing? We've been covering the majority of the world, most of the world, since God made it. That's, that's who a drop of the Pacific Ocean is. It, it, it depends on, 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 on the perspective. A woman is about to give birth to a child, and the blanket isn't the best, and there's a picture in the room which isn't her favorite, but she's about to create life. So, so these, these things aren't, aren't, aren't meaningless. You know, if this was in her living room, 
If this was, even if it wasn't, if it was in a hotel room, it would annoy her. But now she's creating life. It's it's not even it's not even on the subject. It's not it's not it's not, it's not even the discussion. There's something much bigger going on. There's something bigger going on. These these little little things don't um, don't 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 uh, don't don't bother you. So similar way, all of us wake up at times with a plan for the day, and the plan gets derailed for the silliest thing, for the most foolish thing. You thought you you paid the electric bill. And guess you're reminded. <laughs> you didn't pay electric bill because it's not working, right? You thought that you're going to go to to pick some to, to go do this project you were planning on, and then all of a sudden your child has to show him as a temperature of taking the doctor. We have all things we plan to do, and it gets changed. What happens when it gets changed? Why is it changing? What's really going on is we're part of Hashem's symphony, and Hashem is giving us a new instrument today to play a different song. And we think that different song the yardstick we use, right, to, to determine what's big and what's small, we use a yardstick, we're, I'm not saying we should, but naturally we use a yardstick that, that the world uses. How does the, what's, what's, what does the world out there use a yard, as a yardstick for achievement? It's a big yardstick. How many people were involved? How many cities were involved? How, many, how long did it last? That, the, the, what kind of uh, impact is it in time, in space, in people? That's a, that's a yardstick. But the truth is, from Hashem's perspective, Hashem built, made the world, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You maintained control of yourself. One of my children was telling me, um, I was talking to him about controlling his, his midot, his, his, his behavior, and he said, you know what I did, Dad? Some kid took away my ball. I said, really? I said, you know what I did, Dad? I said, what'd you do? I was thinking he probably beat the living daylights out of you. <laughs> he said, I said to myself, anger is not a good thing. I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I said, anger is not a good thing. I'm not gonna, and he was angry. We just said it's not a good thing. And I'm not going to let that control me. This is anger. I'm feeling anger. He knew about it. He was conscious of it. So I was, I, and that, you know, that's, that's, that's something which is infinite. Let me say it this way. We have a very, very limited perspective. There's a verse like this. It says in the verse, in Tilim, it says, Um, rabim your way is in the ocean, your path is in the great waters, and your heels, your footsteps, no one knows. What does that mean? When you travel on a dirt road, so then there is an impression on the pavement when you travel. But when you travel in the ocean, travel in a boat, no one sees the impression you made. No one sees, you don't see also, the waves move away, and then it goes back to normal. In a similar way, Moshe Rabbeinu told Pare, he said to the Pharaoh, we don't know what we're doing here until we get there. Says the Chudush what does there mean? There means Bias HaMashiach. There means after Mashiach comes. We cannot possibly know the impact of every mitzvah until Mashiach comes. This is the reality. The reality is Mashiach. That's what the world is created for. We are have a million things going on in our heads, and th- but the reality is Moshe tells Pare. You want to know why we need all these animals? You want to know what all these are for? It's, all, it's just one other animal. It's one more. Moshman tells Pare, every single thing that Hashem gave us has value. And we don't know what it is until Mashiach comes. In a similar way, we could all look at ourselves. Why was I given this mind that I have? I'm able to understand things. Why was I given this wonderful spouse? Why was I given these wonderful children? Why was I given this wonderful job? Why was I given these circumstances? Why was I given this incredibly rich upbringing? In, in, with the kind of people that I know, kind of connections that I have, what is it for? So we, we think, you know, okay, it's just, we're used to it. 
So we don't know what it is. Ad Until we get there, until Atam Sheikh comes, what's going to happen after Mashiach comes? Think about it. Mashiach's going to come. Mashiach's going to come tonight. And we're going to realize we, we did Kir Savana. We wanted to do it last night. It was foggy. We did it tonight. And we're going to see it did something. It did something to the entire cosmos by Ardun Kishavana. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. It's exactly what it says in the Torah. This is what we believe. We believe as children of believers that every mitzvah does something. That's why the Chafetz Chaim says there's 13 principles of faith. What's number one principle of faith? Of the 13 principles? You know, Darach. No, what's the number one? Survey says 13 principles of faith. The number one is according to the Chafetz. I believe, uh, um, I believe in Mashiach and uh, wait for him every day. I believe in the coming Mashiach. Why is that the number one? Exactly. You think Hashem believes in Hashem? Even though he may tarry. Well, we don't we don't focus on tarrying. We don't want him to tarry. <laughs> believing Mashiach is considered. It's not believing in Hashem. It's not believing in Hashem. No, because the Chavetz Chaim says Ikara Ikrim. The main one of all the fifteen principles is believing in Mashiach, and I'll tell you why. He says why. Because if you believe Mashiach, you believe that a mitzvah does something. It means, it means an act of kindness does something. Including the belief in Mashiach is that the Torah is real, that Hashem is real. It includes it all. Because once you believe in Mashiach, that means the Torah and the mitzvah does something. And that's a Moshlo Paro. We don't, but we can't know what it is today. The Gemara says a story about Rabbi Yeshua and his son, Rabbi Yosef, who had a, what they call a uh, clinical death. He passed away. His soul goes to heaven. And he comes back from this near-death experience. And his father said, what do you see? What do you see? He said, Dad, you won't believe what they do upstairs. The upstairs, the other world, it's an opposite. It's opposite of the reality. What do you mean? Whoever is above over here is considered like the best, top of the cream. Uh, they're, they're in the higher world, they're considered the lowest. And whoever is here considered the lowest, they're in the higher world, they're considered the highest. That's what he told us, that's the opposite world. His father said, it was an opposite world. You saw a clear world. You saw a vivid world. You saw a world, the word buttered means not just clear. The function of what we're supposed to do in this world is to separate the good from the evil and make good decisions. And that's what they see in the higher world. They see how each action in the right direction, the value of it. There was his father who wanted his son to be busy. So he got his son, the, he took out a Torah magazine, this puzzle, puzzle, puzzle of the whole, of the whole uh, geography of the world. And he's figured it'd take him a while. You know how his son's supposed to know the capital of Madagascar, and the uh, uh, he gives his son the, the, the puzzle, and very quickly his son does the whole puzzle. And he says, "How'd you figure out so fast?" He says, "Dad, on the other side of the of the uh, puzzle, there's a picture of a man. He says, you fix the man, you fix the world. For me, you fix the man, you fix the world. We think like, oh, it's just one little thing." It's not one little thing. And Paro doesn't know this. Paro doesn't know this. What does the word Paro mean? Paro means, in, in the Torah, the word Paro means Ufara Isha. It means things are spread wild. Paro believes in a jungle. believes in the world of a, a wild jungle. And he doesn't believe in an order and a direction of the world. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't believe that way. Not just because a, a, he is Moshe Rabbeinu. But also because of his own life experience. Moshe Rabbeinu is put in a basket in a way that he cannot possibly survive. And why does he survive? Because one lady decided to stretch her hand out one time and she saved him, and through saving him, she saves all of history. All of history. Not just the Jewish people at the time, but really all of history. So Moshebin knows this, knows this well. And um, Ilan Ramon. Ilan Ramon was on that spaceship that exploded. And they, they did some studies into why that spaceship exploded. What was it? It a was screw. a faulty rubber O-ring. Okay. 
and it was a faulty rubber O-ring, and one little faulty rubber O-ring, and garnished, and the whole thing, the whole thing, the whole thing explodes. Mm-hmm. So we could look at our our um, faulty rubber O-rings, the little challenges we have every day, and say, eh, doesn't matter. But the truth is that um, all these little things that we do, it's part, it's part of the song of the coming Mashiach. There were nine songs in history, and the tenth song will be sung after Mashiach comes, and each of us has a note in this, in this every day, every mitzvah, everything is, is, everything is real, but we can't know what it is until we get there. And this is what the previous Rebbe uniquely, among other tzaddikim before, um, taught about the, the value of every individual. And you see this in what he did. He, he, he translated the Torah in so many languages. He sends his emissaries all over the world, literally. Oh, it's just Madagascar. Who needs Madagascar? <laughs> no, it's, there's, 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 do you know the Rebbe built a mikveh in Lebanon for one, one family? They Rebbe built a mikveh in Lebanon when Israel entered Lebanon for one family. For temporarily, they need a mikveh. I, I, I shared a story a few months ago, but it's a different kind of perspective. Where the, the Rebbe once said it this way, and it's something that that uh, you could see how it applies to the Rebbe himself very clearly. The Rebbe says a true Jewish leader is not someone who's concerned with Klal Yisrael, with the Jewish people as a whole, but with the Reb Yisrael. Reb Yisrael means Mister Yisrael, not just with Klal Yisrael, with Mister Yisrael. So I think this is something that we should. Think about as we're entering the day of Yud Shvat, 10th of Shvat, of a unique role each of us plays. And even on those days when we're like wondering, like, why do I end up in this place? Why after this weird thing? And this seems to be so inconsequential. And to stop and to realize, no, it's not inconsequential. This is a mission Hashem has for me today. And this is the thing that's needed. This, this, little, this little piece is, is the one that makes a difference. There's a, there's a line in the Midrash, something to this effect. They're trying to find the last stone to put in the Mishkan. And it was this weird stone, weird-shaped stone, and only the weird-shaped stone. I'm, I'm misquoting slightly. I don't know exactly how it works, but I'll tell you one story, I'll let you guys go. There was this, this guy, he goes to a tailor, he asks a tailor, he really wanted to have this fancy suit. He saw this, all of his wealthy friends had these very expensive suits. I want to get a suit like that. And he goes to a tailor, he gets the money together finally one day, he gives the tailor $20,000, make me, make me the, the, the real suit, the $20,000 suit. Say, fantastic. He comes back, and a month, the suit's ready. He puts the suit on. Doesn't fit. Taylor says, "You gotta. You're walking like this. You put your back like this. They don't fit." Then he says, "He puts his back like this." But then this, the, the sleeve is it's just put like hand like this. And then he puts his feet. It's a, it's a, <laughs> the whole thing's messed up. And, he, and the tailor convinces him, like, "No, it's not. It's not the suit. This is a twenty thousand dollars suit. You have to walk like this, and then it fits." You walk like this, and you put it like, like this, and he walks out of the out of the suit store, and he hears a little boy saying to his mom, "What's going on over there, mom? Like, what happened to that guy? Oh, what an amazing tailor! See how the guy is so disformed, such a mutant, and sh- and, and the tailor was able to find a way to make the suit fit." We think the weird things happening in our life is because because uh, we have to figure them out. Those weird things are meant to bring out in us our best. Those things that we think of, why is this happening? Why is this for? It's meant to cause a tikkun in ourselves. These these weird weird things have nothing. It seems like nothing to do with reality. Nothing to do with the purpose. But and the contrary, it's those things that allow us to make the last brick, the last good thought, good word, good action to tip the skill and and to make the, make Mashiach happen. We won't know until Mashiach comes, but. This is, what it's, this is how it happens. Any questions, comments, criticism, tomatoes or cucumbers? I, I, I do have a question. Yes, sir. Go, go, go. I always have the same question. What, <laughs> what, do, what do we take with us? Oh. I, I, I'm a practical guy. I want to take something. Especially on Malchabad. 
what do I take out when I'm heading back to San Diego? Is Mashiach? I mean, how do I take it in practical terms? Like, you know, as I'm heading, you know, Very in good. the next minute, in the next 10 minutes. Very good. Right. Just a conceptual okay, I, 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 I hear process. you. The Mitzvah Rebbe, he said that if someone doesn't meditate in the one of every single day, and the level that he's talking about, like the really detailed discussion of what, what the one of Hashem means, the Gemara says if you don't wear tefillin one day, you're called a someone who rebels against Hashem with your body. Like how dare you not wear tefillin? The Mitzvah Rebbe says if you don't think about the one of Hashem one day, you're you're rebelling against Hashem with your soul. A Jewish soul has to think about the one of Hashem. Okay, so I, I I think taking that to our generation and what we need to do, we have to think about the words of the Rambam. The words of the Rambam are that one good thought, one good word, one good action to t- tip the scale and bring Mashiach. And we have to realize the the incredible um, responsibility we have in San Diego, in Los Angeles, to bring Mashiach to rescue the hostages. Even though we're not, we don't have the guns, and we don't have. We, have to realize that we are the ones. We're the midget upon the giant shoulders. We're midgets, but a midget upon giant shoulders could see farther than the giant. So of all of history till us, all the myths that were done are accumulated. We're the time of Mashiach. We have to realize we could do something now, tonight, and it can make a difference. And we have to always think about this. Unlike other tzaddikim, there are other tzaddikim who focused on, as we'll learn next week's, next Shabbos, about kolels. Jump in the Reed Sea. Jump into the Sea of Torah. The other tzaddikim who focused, not tzaddikim necessarily, but misguided tzaddikim maybe, let's fight against those who go against Torah. And they, they, and they inspire their followers to scroll, throw rocks at cars that drive on Shabbos. Let's fight with the Egyptians. They, like, they want the violent answer. Then there are those Jews who feel, you know, let's just pray to Hashem. Let's put our hands in our pockets. Let's pray to Hashem. Let's just, let's just pray. Like, like Jews at the Reed Sea. Some Jews say, let, let's, just, let's just pray. So we have the Jews who say, let's jump in the Reed Sea. Let's go in the kolel our whole lives and jump in the Torah and forget about the world. We have Jews who say, let's go back to Egypt. The world will never change. The world will, the world will always be the same. And what was the right answer? The answer was, let's go forward to Mount Sinai. Let's go forward. Let's, let's not look at the present and judge by the future from the present. Let's realize the Mashiach is about to come. And we have to head towards Har Sinai. And our next word, next action, next thought makes a difference to ourselves and the whole world. Walk to Har Sinai. Don't jump into the sea and ignore the world. Don't fight. Don't go back to Egypt and think the world will never is going to change. Don't go and, and fight, think that violence is the answer. To figure it out yourself. To fight. And don't, and don't put your hand in your pocket and just daven. Go towards Mount Sinai. Go towards Mashiach. You realize every mitzvah, every, every time you're in Torah, you're saying, God willing, if Chas Mashiach, think you're not here by tomorrow night, you're going to say, Aleichem, Malachi Ashares. Every word. What does it mean? Thinking about it. I'm saying a word. I'm doing something. It has an effect. You know, it's... It's not unique. Everyone sings Shalom Aleichem. The whole table singing together. I'm singing Shalom Aleichem. It does something. We can't know. But that's what Moshe is telling us. You can't know. So realize it's something. You don't know what it is. But think it is something. Fashistu. Chaim Lebracha. No, that was...